Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick. And man, I got a fun one for you today. I'm actually, (laughs) this came out even, I figured it was going to be fun, uh, but it turned out even more fun than I thought. I had some really good guests on. Uh, First, I had Anthony Irwin, who, of course, is from Silver Screen and Roll. Um, He covers the Lakers, does a great job on his own podcast, uh, the Anthony Irwin Show. We talked a little bit about the matchup Thursday night and, of course, um, some really (laughs) fun trade chatter. Got a little ridiculous in the end, but we still had a lot of fun. And then I also had as well Christian Rivas, who is the site manager for Sacktown Royalty, covering all things Sacramento Kings. And they play the Sixers on Saturday. And then also, of course, I've been heavily mentioned in trade rumors with Ben Simmons. So I'm just going to let this run. We're going to get right into both segments. So first up, it's Anthony Irwin and I, and that segment's coming up for you right here. All right, and I am now joined by Anthony Irwin of the Anthony Irwin Show on Silver Screen and Roll. And what is it Serena likes to say all the time that I, I very much enjoy? The Anthony Irwin Show, which is hosted by Anthony Irwin, starring Anthony Irwin, produced by Anthony Irwin. <laughs> so this is Harrison's own creation. I want to get like one thing straight here on, <laughs> on this episode, <laughs> and I've been trying to get it. This was like the advice of the people who hired me. Michael Kist who is, I, I would imagine a lot of people listening in Philadelphia know who Michael Kist yes, is. Yes, definitely. He's, he's, my, he's my boss now. And when we, were, when we were going through the hiring process and when I eventually said that, yeah, I'd like to take over, we had to fill out the roster in one of the days, which is going to be one of my shows. And we were trying to think of like, you know, other kind of quirky Lakers names and, and all these things. And, and, and Mike goes, um, what if it's just the Anthony Irwin show? It's your show. Like it's just it's gonna be your thing. Why don't you just make it the Anthony Irwin show? And I was like, I mean, I guess, sure. And you know, all right, we'll, we'll I'm a narcissist. Let's do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then and then, you know, if if I, I told Mike, I was like, hey, there's a chance that because it's named the Anthony Irwin show, that it might get zero downloads on a weekly basis. Like it's like that might be it. Because Lakers fans, uh, you know, we have we have an interesting relationship. He goes, no, let's let's just try it out. And so it, it worked. But Harrison, from that day forward, has basically said every step along the way that it's like the Anthony Irwin show uh, produced by Anthony Irwin, written by Anthony Irwin, directed by Anthony Irwin, starring Anthony Irwin. Um, and, and it doesn't fit on the iTunes thing. So so we just stuck with the Anthony Irwin show. <laughs> It's I mean, that's it's like Quentin Tarantino, right? I mean, that's what I that's the vibes <laughs> I get from that because <laughs> he likes to have his own bit parts in movies, too. So like it's starring starring Quentin Tarantino, written by Quentin Tarantino, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, hey, which, Quentin, if you're listening, the Anthony Irwin show featuring Quentin Tarantino is ooh, is right that's there. A good pitch. If you're interested. I like it. I like it. I don't is he an, I don't think he's an NBA guy. I could be a mistake. He doesn't strike me as the type, but I could be mistaken. Um, uh, but yes. Yeah, so I wanted to bring you on uh, because for a few reasons, definitely want to get your thoughts on the matchup that is upcoming uh, Lakers Sixers, which is always entertaining um, for both sides. There was a rivalry at one point, not quite to that level. It was in the eighties when it was, you know, fun stuff when it was magic and magic and Kareem against Dr. J and Moses. And those were good times that I was not alive for, but um, looking back on very many fond memories from that time. 
And then also, I want to get your thoughts on the chatter of, you know, Ben Simmons and the Lakers are a team he clearly would very much like to be on and be on, you know, the Los Angeles clutch Lakers. Um, but first, I want to give you some credit because going into this season, you were not keen on this Lakers roster. And it appears that you were probably right <laughs> when it comes to the way it was built. And I see some parallels because it wasn't that long ago that the Philadelphia 76ers thought to themselves, hmm, let's go sign and trade Jimmy Butler, bring Tobias Harris back, and then sign Al Horford to a long-term deal. And people talked themselves into that being a good idea, a la Russell Westbrook being traded to the Lakers and it not being a good idea. So I guess from your standpoint, again, you were critical. You did not think this was a particularly great offseason. And here we are, and the Lakers are where they are. So what is that? I mean, I've seen some of it on Twitter, but what has that been like with you with Lakers Twitter and their reaction to the season and the way it's kind of gone so far? Well, remember I said that the Anthony Irwin show might get zero downloads a week. And that was back at the time when, um, yeah, when I was critical of the Russell Westbrook trade, I just, this is going to sound a lot harsher than, than it's, uh, than it actually is, but it's not about Russell Westbrook, the player who, who is, you know, albeit a flawed player or whatever, but Russell Westbrook, the contract, you are not going to win a championship when a player of Russell Westbrook's current talent level is making 44, 45 million bucks a year. Like that's just, that's just antithetical to success in the NBA when you have a limited resource that is uh cap money. So uh, when the Lakers traded for him, I, I thought it was going to be twofold. The effect was going to be twofold where I thought that Russ uh, doesn't really fit next to LeBron, which we have, you know, found out pretty, pretty definitively, I think at this point. And then the other thing is like Russ was probably, if you trade for Russ, it's probably going to have an impact on the other things that you're going to be able to do across the roster, which the Lakers wind up letting Alex Caruso walk for nothing because of luxury tax implications. So, um, you know, on, on, on both of those fronts. And by the way, like anytime I say anything critical about the Lakers and just in general, honestly, and especially like if I'm not high on a prospect coming up, I always try to say, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this player proves me wrong and I get to get dunked on, you know, in perpetuity <laughs> because I said so-and-so, you know, isn't the kind of player that I think, I would really believe in and, and here with the Lakers, same thing. Like this is still a team I root for. Like this is still a team that I care about. And uh, when I was critical of the trade, I was, I said back then, and I still maintain, look, if they turn things around and, and uh, Russ and AD and LeBron without uh, Deandre Jordan's corpse out there is, is, is an actual viable lineup. Then I would say like, all right, cool. Awesome. I'm really happy to have been wrong on this front just to this point. Yeah. Like I, I, I just, uh, I don't think I have been. And, um, and I think like when you're talking about fans talking themselves into things like that's just, that's what we do, you know, right. like this is, we're rooting for the success of, of, of something. And, you know, the next step after I hope I'm wrong is, well, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> you know, sure. like the, 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 the step after saying, I hope that, this team proves me wrong is, well, how would they do so? And how likely is it that that those circumstances would actually come to fruition? And um, with, with Jimmy Butler and uh, you know, signing and trading him away and focusing more on defense, it's weird that you would focus more like the combination of 
we're going to focus more on defense by trading away Jimmy Butler and keeping Tobias Harris. I, that's that's an odd well, combination. It's, it's, me, it yeah. was more just to defend it a little bit. It, it was more <laughs> about the Al Horford factor. And then also mm-hmm. the Sixers had just lost to Toronto because they didn't have an appropriate backup center. They had Greg Monroe trotting yeah. out there. Oof. So that was it was just as much about that. And it was like, I don't know if you're if you watch the show, How I Met Your Mother is one of my favorite shows ever. Mm-hmm. But there is uh, one episode where they talk about the overcorrection. And yeah. I think it was as much <laughs> that as it was anything else. It was the overcorrection of we didn't have a guy like an Al Horford um, to, to, you know, we didn't have a viable backup center. So let's get yeah. this guy who we think can play next to Embiid and can also be an elite backup center. And half of that equation was true because Ben Simmons and Al Horford, when they played together and kind of ran that bench unit, it was very effective, but the playing next to Joel Embiid was a complete and utter disaster. But I, actually, let me ask you that we're going to talk trade stuff, but I want to get your quick thought on this. If right now it won't happen, so I'll put that out there. But if right now Daryl Morey said Tobias Harris for Russell Westbrook, do you do that? Uh, probably not. Uh, okay. Just because, just because, like, so if you if you trade Russell Westbrook for Tobias Harris, you are basically saying, all right, because right now. I, I, from all accounts, Tobias seems like a really, really nice guy. So it, I always feel really bad saying, you know, criticizing players who, who seem like legitimately nice guys, but, and he is the nicest guy. He's a really good dude and a good yeah. person, like off the court and all that. Uh, so, but yeah, but, but continue. But, but, you know, like at the end of the day, you are who you are as a basketball player. And he's had a really bad year so far this season. Um, I'm looking at his, at his numbers. Yeah. So, uh, 46, 47% from, from the field. It's actually better than I thought it was 33% from three point range. So and that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the tough one. That's the yeah. one that becomes really difficult to swallow. Um, so if it, if it was, if it was Simmons and Tobias for Russ and none in the 2027 first, like, I would do it, but then you would laugh me off of the phone. Yes. Like it's just, it's, it's a really difficult pairing of, of teams to try to get a deal done here. Harris is interesting because like, like that would be a, like that's basically the definition of buying low on a guy is basically turning one bad contract into a smaller bad contract. And, and at a, you know, for a player who more recently was more useful in a playoff setting. uh, But also, Harris has it, and this is wild to say. Harris has been, I think, worse in 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 the team construct than even Westbrook has been this year. It's close. I I, I if well, some I would, Philly fan, yeah, I, I would if, say this uh, with with like with Westbrook, it uh, it is fit. Like that's a big part of it. But I also yeah. just don't think he's like he's just not. And I think you would agree he's just not remotely the same guy he once was. Whereas with Harris, I think you could see reasons why he's not playing well. Like, you know, he, he did have COVID and it hit him pretty hard. Yeah. Um, he's got tendonitis in his shoulder. That's probably going to be an issue for them, for him, for most of the season. Um, but also, yeah, to your other point, last year, Tobias, you could have made a very viable argument that he was an all-star last season. That was, a, yeah. that was last year. So it wasn't like right. you have to go too far back to say like, okay, this guy was at that level. I mean, granted, Russ did play really well down the stretch for the Wizards, but um, when the playoffs came around, you saw what the Sixers did to him and how basically 
completely ineffective they made him in that playoff series, whereas Tobias Harris was actually really, really good in that Wizards series. That Hawks one, he was pretty up and down, um, pretty much and down at the worst possible moment in game seven. Um, but I also would say this, like Tobias Harris as a third option next, like LeBron, AD, and then Tobias. You could. Oh, for sure. You could talk me into him actually being really effective in that sense um, as kind of their third fiddle. Um, but yeah, I, but speaking of AD, I also want to get your thoughts on this because I know you and I think most Laker fans are a big proponent of, hey, AD played center um, against the Nets and it was great. Um, for you going forward, like it, I, I know, I, I don't even have to ask you, but I know that's what you would want going forward. Do you think that Anthony Davis is at a point where he is recognizing that that's where he has to play and then what do you think of him against Embiid on Thursday and do you think Vogel decides to throw um DeAndre or Dwight Howard at, at Embiid instead so the larger point has Anthony Davis come to terms with the fact that he should be a center I still think he's gonna you know when when he does it it's gonna be kind of kicking and screaming and and so early on this season, the numbers said that he was pretty good, but but just in terms of like the way that he was holding himself on the court, it was a lot of like head just kind of hanging down, a lot of walking and a lot of it was just a weird vibe to him to start the season. And I think that was largely because the Lakers have basically pushed him to the point of no, man, like you're a center. <laughs> this is this is the position that you are actually best at. Um, now the shooting struggles, I think were, were, were part of the concern there, but I think the shooting struggles have a lot to do with the fact that he had a weird vibe to him and, and he never really gained much of a rhythm. And, and I, I just don't think he was ever really thrilled about the idea of, of playing predominantly center. And then, you know, now when you ask about this matchup on Thursday, if it were further removed from his injury, I think the Lakers would probably focus on him on AD or on Embiid and, uh, you know, giving him some help here and there if, say, Embiid gets too low of position or something like that. Um, I think that's probably the, the smartest path forward there, but it also wouldn't surprise me here it, because there are, there are going to be some minutes where the Lakers have to choose between Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard as their center. And uh, the Lakers, I think, in this case, will probably – Against the Nets, they played mellow in those minutes. And I think against Philly, they'll probably opt for going a little bit bigger in those stretches and see if Dwight can just kind of beat up and bead and, and get him a little bit more tired using all six of those fouls uh, for those minutes that he's going up against a, uh, AD. See, now to me, but I do, I agree with you. I think your point off the top is correct that with, with him just coming back from an injury, you don't want to put too much on him. So that would that would probably be the reason more than anything that they might even like start DeAndre or or Dwight just to just to not put that on AD. But I would say like overall strategy, like just having watched him beat so much, I think that idea of oh the big guy like in the past that was a thing like whether it was Marcus Sol, um, Jonas Valanciunas, like those kind of guys like there was something to uh, send in like a big guy to just kind of beat him up, use your six fouls. But now I think it's to a point where he's so good that I think you're better off matching him. And I'm serious, like either AD or even LeBron against them. And then just really doubling him a lot and showing him extra bodies. Like, cause I think he's too good to just do that 
hey, let's beat the crap out of him thing. I think you need a guy who can handle him on the perimeter and then a guy who can just, and if he, he like, like to your point, if, if he just, if he tries to take AD to the weight room and just really buries him and then like, that's when you just send help. Like, I, I think that's the better approach, but I do agree with you that I, I could see Vogel more or less probably with AD just coming back, going more mm-hmm. to one of the big bruiser guys and just saying, yeah, be, just beat and beat up for a few minutes, use your fouls and whatever. We'll send him to the line. Cause I'd rather send him to the line than have him dunking on people or, you know, mid ranging people to death. So I get yeah, it from well, that perspective. And then, and I like, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think in, in like a, you know, a more normal setting, that would probably be more of what the Lakers would be trying to do. And then, you know, like say you have LeBron at the five for some of those minutes uh, that Embiid is out there. And I think for the most part, Frank will probably try to match Embiid's minutes with, uh, or AD's minutes with Embiid um, and, and try to keep him on the court for whenever Embiid is on the court. But if there are minutes that AD is on uh, on the bench and say the Lakers opt for Melo instead of Dwight, like the purpose there would be to try to spread Philly out as much as possible and see if maybe you can get Embiid into some foul trouble of his own by just sending cutters and drivers his direction as often as possible. So like it's kind of one, it's one direction over the other with the way that Embiid is playing. Like you are going to have to give something up. Like there is no, there is no, like Embiid has been the best basketball player in the NBA for like the last month or so, maybe more. And, and when you have somebody playing at that kind of a high level, you just kind of know, all right, we're going to give something up here. So if you have Dwight out there, you know that you're going to be giving up some of your offense for the sake of having somebody who can physically, you know, not get moved as easily by Embiid. And then if you have Mello out there, you're saying, well, we know we're going to get just taken to the, the woodshed on the other end of the court. But, well, what if we can make him uncomfortable enough on offense by forcing him to move around a bunch? Then, then okay, maybe that can work. But in both of those cases, there are very easy to see circumstances that would mean, well, all right, you're, you're, you're not benefiting from spacing him out and you're getting out physical on the other end, or if it's Dwight, he's still out physicaling Dwight and you are not getting, you know, threes to twos on the other end of the court. So he's just that good. Like this is just, this is, you're talking to a Laker fan who, who watched the three Pete and with Shaq where teams, would do the Dwight thing and they would have Todd McCulloch's on their, on their <laughs> roster. You and just was, brought up the worst possible memories for for a young <laughs> Allen Iverson Sixers fan, but continue. <laughs> well, but like the entire reason he was on the court was to be six fouls to beat up Shaq. Yeah, right. You know, that's, that was the only reason he was on the court and, and, and on the roster and like six or seven of these teams that thought that they might either face Shaq in the playoffs or face him in, in the finals, if you were in the Eastern Conference, like all of those teams had Todd McCulloch's on their team. And and all of these, te- like there was a, a guy named Aaron who played for, for New Jersey back in the day. Aaron and, Williams, yeah. I remember yeah, him. Aaron Williams. Like it was just, it was just, it was just stiff seven footer after stiff seven footer <laughs> who remained employed. And, and Shaq honestly should have made commission on all of those, <laughs> on all of those salaries because he kept those guys employed. And Embiid is that kind of dominant right now where some team, you know, whether it's the Lakers, they might throw DeAndre Jordan out there and 
know that there is zero chance whatsoever the Lakers get anything from him. But if he gives up three fouls in 30 seconds and, um, you know, stops uh, Philly's offense from getting into a rhythm, then DeAndre just did his quote unquote job. But but even there, you're putting them in the bonus and is is and he you, hits free throws little that's, battle. That's the, that's the, yeah, big that's the other thing. Is if he makes his free throws. He's not Shaq. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a really complicated math problem that the Lakers are going to be doing, given the fact that AD is coming off of like, you know, this is his second game back off of the injury. He, he looked a little lighter, a little bit more spry in, in that Nets game than he looked even maybe uh, to start the season. Uh, and, and, and I think that's the kind of AD who, when he's closer to 100%, like that's the kind of play that AD will need to use if he does face Embiid uh, in, in a more standard situation. But, but for right now, I, I just, you know, I've already written off this game as, as probably a pretty comfortable win for Philly. Wow. Okay. See, I'm not there because well, um, to touch on what you're talking about, it's funny. Like thinking about you talking about, oh, just put Melo at the. And it's I get it, but like you're talking about, like this was like I guess two weeks ago they played Charlotte and it was a bad. They just had a bad night. Like they, I think they were just coming. Like they they won eight straight games and it was just one of those nights. Um, it's kind of like a schedule loss. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Doc got desperate and he decided to put Drummond and Embiid out there together. Mm -hmm. So I'm not kidding. Embiid was guarding Miles Bridges. And Miles Bridges <laughs> was playing great for them. Like he had a really good night uh -huh. for Charlotte tonight, and he was killing them. He was getting penetration all night. Embiid played the best perimeter defense against Miles Bridges than any other player on the Sixers roster. Yeah. So like, that's where like, and that, I think that's what kind of gets lost about him too. Sometimes is that like for as great as he's been and as ridiculous as he's been offensively, he is that good on like oh I, yeah like him and Giannis like I don't like they're the two the two best two way players in the NBA right now. And it's close between which guy is better because it's just insane how good they both are. But I would say conversely, when you're looking at like LeBron right now, Ben Simmons ain't walking through that door. So who the hell guards LeBron? And I guess it's Thibault. And like, I just from a physical standpoint, like LeBron can just post him up and just crush him all night um, because as great as Thibault is like Thibault is to me, like he has a chance to be a first team all defensive type of player, maybe even a defensive player of the year type of guy down the road. But that LeBron matchup is a brutal one for him. So, you know, obviously I, I would imagine Embiid guards AD and then you just kind of Tobias, you throw him on whatever. If they throw a center out there, whether it's DeAndre or Dwight, Tobias probably just guards him and like because they know that he's useless basically on the defensive end. But at the same time, the Sixers have been a very bad rebounding team so that could be where the lakers could find their advantage too so i don't think i, I think it's going to be close i think it has a chance to be a really good game and that chess match is going to be really interesting it depends too seth carey's been banged up and when seth carey doesn't play their offense just goes off the rails it, like it's just basically either mm -hmm. Embiid scores 50 points or they don't win um with when seth carey doesn't play so that adds another wrinkle to it too um but yeah, it should be. It, it it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really good game, a really interesting matchup. But and for some reason, the Sixers always notoriously play the Lakers well at home. I don't know what the deal is with that, but that seems to be a thing. Um, but I want to end this on a on a light and on a fun note. Yeah, I know you're a trade machine guy, and you live on it. And I think a lot of us, everybody in Philadelphia, has been living on it. Clearly, um, with Ben Simmons. So 
what is the deal? Like, what is a deal that you have conjured where Ben Simmons ends up with the Lakers? Um, clearly, Russell Westbrook does not wind up in Philadelphia, but perhaps winds up somewhere else. What What is a framework of a deal you've thought of where Ben Simmons lands in Philadelphia? Or excuse me, Ben Simmons lands in L.A. and the Sixers get something reasonable? Well, reasonable is is uh, within... <laughs> <laughs> like, are we talking Daryl Morey reasonable where you, we, where I have to like include my next son? Like, is that <laughs> like, are we, <laughs> let's like, go somewhere, somewhere between what Daryl Morey act, w- would want. And then what you would be trying to sell low, like somewhere in, in, in between that area. All right. So the difficult part here is, is R- Russ makes, I think almost twice. No, he he makes he makes uh, like twelve ish million more than Ben Simmons. Right. And the difficult thing here that I think Maury has been fighting with all season is that like it's not enough to just get a young player. You need a you know a youngish productive player with a whole bunch of draft capital as well, right? And and then the draft capital, I would imagine, is going to be combined or something like that to get a player who he is who is more win now is is I think kind of the path that they're trying to take there. Either that yeah. or they're just going to wait this out and try to get James Harden in the offseason, which is um you know a choice. And and <laughs> oh 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 man no 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 you can't just <laughs> you can't just brush over that. All right, well here's my thing. Harden, like we're willing to we're willing to just forego potentially a wide open NBA season here with with Joel Embiid playing the way that Joel Embiid is playing. And look, Kevin Durant is banged up in 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 Brooklyn. Uh Milwaukee has been playing basically their whole year without Brooke Lopez. Uh Golden State just had just uh, watched Draymond Green potentially really mess up his back. The only team that hasn't really dealt much with with injuries is is Phoenix. And I don't know. I just maybe that maybe that luck just continues. And even then, I, I'm not positive that I buy them as like a a surefire uh, championship, you know, favorite. And let alone you know maybe even contender. And so if this season is that kind of wide open and you have Embiid playing like this in the season that he's had so far this year, where you and I were just comparing him somewhat favorably to Shaq, where you're like, yeah, he's forcing teams to do the Shaq thing, but also he makes free throws. Um, Like if we're talking about that kind of a season, I don't know that I would want to wait for almost any player. And then if James Harden is that player that, that you're waiting for, like James, that's the guy that I'm betting. Like I've seen him in Brooklyn this year. He looks miserable, and I, maybe that's why he wants to leave. Well, I was gonna say there might be a reason why he looks yeah. miserable, and he might be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but but like but like even in Houston, you know, he he would have really really good uh, playoff series, and then and then that's it, you know. And and if he didn't have the ball in his hands, he would just kind of mope at half court. And like I don't know that James Harden is the player that I would derail my season waiting for i get why maury might because of the the history that those guys have and if anybody truly believes in james harden it would be maury and and i'm not one to tell 
uh, Maury that his experience with Harden uh, should be ignored. I just, you don't get these seasons very often like you're getting from Joel Embiid and waiting, waiting it out for a still fairly flawed James Harden or like the Damian Lillard gets hurt and Portland has looked better. So like maybe you're waiting out the, the Damian Lillard sweepstakes, but even there, you want to trade for a player whose team got better as soon as he got hurt. Like, I don't know what to oh, do yes. with, 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 <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know what to do with all of these players who you will have, you know, not tanked because Philly, you guys are still having a really good season and hell, maybe you win regardless. And that puts you like squarely in the driver's seat and you have all of the leverage in the world at that point. Uh, but if, I don't know. It would be one of those things. I'm a Vikings fan and there are so I'm many so what sorry. ifs. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a terrible existence, but there are so many <laughs> like what ifs over the course of my lifetime that I'll always just kind of like, man, like what if instead of spending $40 million guaranteed a season on Kirk Cousins, they had just kept Teddy Bridgewater at like 11 and used that money to keep their line more intact or keep their defense more intact or be able to keep Stefan Diggs instead of, uh, and, and have him Thielen and Jefferson somehow, like maybe just maybe those are the, the, the ways that these things could have played out. And, and I, it would suck to go through the season here with Joel Embiid and, and, and walk away from it with like a, man, we were this close and, and we just chose to wait for James Harden. That would, that would bother me as a fan. Now, listen, I, 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 I don't necessarily disagree with anything you just said. And I, I, the counterpoint, the counterpoint that I would make, and it's not even like my, I'm not even saying this strongly or confidently, like, but the counterpoint would be right now. We don't really know hundred percent what's out there for Ben Simmons. Um, we've heard reports. We've heard rumors, yada, yada, yada. Like if you pull the trigger and you get De'Aaron Fox, I don't mm-hmm. think that makes them a better basketball team flat out. I don't, because I think you already have a guy who is going to grow into a player that I think could be better than De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Maxey, mm-hmm. who has a similar, whatever blueprint, similar archetype of player. Um, so I don't think like a De'Aaron Fox helps them. And then like, I don't know, you look at like other offers down the road and there's just, I don't know what trade you make right now with what we've heard with what's out there that kind of makes you. Cause like, I would say this right right now, mm-hmm. I view them as they're currently constructed with everyone healthy, um, they're a second round team. I, I think they can win a, a first round series. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. Milwaukee or Brooklyn, right. depending on where they are, I, I don't think they can beat Milwaukee or Brooklyn the way they, they currently are. Maybe Brooklyn. Cause like you said, with AD and Kyrie status being questionable and James Harden looks looking like maybe he doesn't give a shit some nights. And then maybe yeah. and B just goes supernova and they have no answer and everything else goes perfect. And, and like, maybe they could beat Brooklyn and get to the Eastern conference. Final. like, that's possible. But, and then the other thing I would add too, is that I think just because maybe you don't make the Ben Simmons trade, that doesn't mean Daryl Morey doesn't make another trade. They have some good young players and some good assets that maybe they make another deal that puts them closer to that championship deal while still keeping Ben Simmons. So, um, but I hear you. Like, if Ben Simmons is still here after February 10th, that is bold. That is a gamble. Um, and so, yeah. man, you better get it right in the offseason, whether that's Harden, whether that's, like you said, whether that's, you know, D- Dame Lillard finally realizing he shouldn't be there anymore and the Trailblazers realizing perhaps that he shouldn't be there anymore and those sides finally agreeing to that, whether that's somehow a sign and trade and you get Bradley Beal, whatever that looks like. Um, 
you better get it right because um, like you mentioned, it is pretty wide open. But I guess the argument too, the other argument is what's to say it's not going to be wide open again next year when you could have James Harden or some of those players in tow. So it's, it's bold. It's a gamble, man, but it, it, it's yeah. tough. But like, <laughs> I know we totally got off course for what, what I wanted, but I think the point of that, what we were getting at is there's really no feasible way for Ben Simmons to wind up as a Los Angeles Laker, right? I think we're kind of agreeing on that. Yeah, I mean, like, the only way, if you're talking about feasibility without, you know, extra stuff that goes on with clutch, then, yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. But, like, like the thing that, you know, throws everything out of whack here, and and even then, like, Ben Simmons is under contract for, for three more years, I believe, after this one. Um, yes. So... Even then, so if Simmons uh, comes out and says, all right, I've had enough of this. I've been open to all of these other destinations, and I still haven't been traded. Uh, the only team that I will play for is the Los Angeles Lakers. Then then you're talking about a completely different situation there. And even then, like, you know, we've seen Daryl and, and Philly's ownership not blink to this point. Um, though again, like if you're talking about another season of this next year, like Paul, I think you would rather like, change all of your kids' diapers for, like, than than deal with an an entire season again of Ben Simmons. Like, will they? Won't they trade him? Well, yeah, but I but I would say this. I, I think that's part of Maury's thinking as well. Is like, so there's no reason why this offseason, if you don't make this move and you have Ben. And maybe you can't get James Harden. Maybe you can't get Bradley Beal or Jalen Brown or whatever. Like the Sacramento Kings will, will still probably want Ben Simmons. The Minnesota Timberwolves will still probably want Ben, you know, Atlanta Hawks. All these teams are still going to be interested in Ben Simmons. So it's a deal you can still make in the offseason. Maybe you don't make it now. And like you said, that it could come back to bite them in a season where they have a shot because things do seem fairly open. But um, I, I like that's the count. It's so dicey. It's such a, it's again, it's such a gamble to do that. And like Maury has to get, if that, if he does not pull the trigger by February 10th, he has to get it right in the off season. So we're actually, we, we thought we were done with Anthony, but we're not. Cause as we were talking, he has constructed the deal that would send Ben Simmons to the Lakers and bring back a feasible return to the Sixers and go for it. Anthony, tell me what you got. All right. So the Sixers are sending out Simmons and Harris. Do I have you so far? Oh, you you have you definitely have every mine and every Sixers fan attention already. All right. Uh, now, the question here is how I get Sacramento to do this, which is uh, <laughs> you know really complicated. <laughs> like I might have to hop on the uh, on the call. Maybe the Lakers give Lottie Divac a, a a statue or something. But <laughs> but uh, the, the Lakers are getting Simmons and yeah, the problem here is that Sacramento doesn't do this, but all right. So the Lakers are getting Ben Simmons and buddy healed and the Kings are getting Russ Harris and Jordan. Oh I think yeah. No way. Sort of like they just... <laughs> hey Kings, can you give us, can you give up buddy healed? And then what do the Sixers get? Well, let's just finish it. Oh, the, the Sixers get uh Fox Halliburton and Barnes. Although I, I would take, I would take Halliburton out of it though. At that point. I would take Halbert now. You get so the Kings. It's hey, uh, can you give? Can you, do you want to give away Barnsfield and Fox? And we're going to send you three bad contracts and players. Well, two bad contracts, three bad players. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get started on that third straight rebuild, Kings. You got this. <laughs> All right. Well, I asked for feasible, and that wasn't. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know. It was feasible from the Lakers and Sixers perspective. It's sure. just less so, less so from, from Sacramento's. So you would have to get, <laughs> see, to me, that would be, you would be getting Oklahoma City involved instead of Sacramento and somehow sending them a shit ton of picks and then making that work out. But I don't know how that would happen. They would have to be the fourth team. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how that would work. But yeah, all right. I mean, well, <laughs> well, I did on that <laughs> note then. <laughs> Thank you very much, Anthony. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. So that one a little. Off the rails there at the end. <laughs> but good stuff from Anthony Irwin. I really appreciate him coming on. And we're going to talk with Christian Rivas from Sacktown Royalty. But we're going to take a quick break first. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I am now here with the site manager for Sacktown Royalty covering all things Sacramento Kings, and that is Christian Rivas. Christian, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Um, so to start off, things are not going so well in Kingsland, it would appear, uh, from the outside looking in, judging by that box score alone. And then you see some other things come out as far as, you know, people not happy about Buddy Heald enjoying a laugh with some friends over on the Celtics sideline after a historically bad loss. Um, so I guess we'll start there. You know, the Sixers, you know, I, I certainly want to get into the Ben Simmons trade rumors and how, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, things of that nature. But let's start off with the Sixers and Kings actually play a game on Saturday night. And just from your perspective, where are the Kings? How do you view that matchup in Philly on Saturday night? Where are the Kings uh, is an easy one to answer because they're based in Sacramento. <laughs> Uh, that I do know, and beyond that, <laughs> not literally, I, yeah, I could not tell you uh, where the Kings are headed or uh, the direction that they want to take the franchise. Because, good lord, um, you know there there have been a lot of nights this season uh, where it just seems fans have asked themselves, surely it can't get any lower than this. Um, and then it just Sorry keeps happening. Laughing, it's just, so Tuesday ah. was another low point. Uh, I imagine it. God, it can't. It can't get much lower than that. But the Kings will certainly try. Uh, nobody on that team seems to like being on that team. You mentioned Buddy Heald. Uh, you know that game they they played against Philly earlier this season certainly seemed like he was going over to Doc Rivers saying, "Get me out of here." Um, so. Yeah, it's not great. Bad vibes in, in Sacktown as a whole, I'd say. 
Well, Tyrese Halliburton said he wanted to be there. You know, he said he wanted to work this thing out and get it right. So you got you got that going for you. I think that was just like a direct line from the notebook. Uh, <laughs> when I read that quote, I was like, it's just going to be you and me every day. We're going to work at this. That's that's straight Ryan Gosling right there. So, well, good for Tyrese for for perhaps hearkening to that, because that's, you know, respect to, to <laughs> imply that to what's going on with the Kings. because what's going on with the Kings is not romantic at all. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I. With Halliburton and him kind of coming out and saying that, do you do you think that that is a thing where like someone in the organization has maybe told him behind the scenes, like whether it's Monty McNair or someone else that, hey, like we are not trading you because they're obviously Shams came out and said Mm -hmm. very definitively not trading De'Aaron Fox again, whether you want to buy that, whatever. And then there was some stuff about Tyrese Halliburton as well. And basically saying that the goal for the Kings is to keep and build around both of those guys, but there is an awful lot of smoke around both guys and and the trade possibilities, especially when both players have directly had to address questions about that. So I I guess the question would be like, do do you, do you buy that for a second that, that this team is totally sold on building around Fox and Halliburton, or do you think that is just, just a bargaining ploy, just a, just a leverage ploy at this point? I think they're definitely committed to building around one of them. Um, and given that the Kings will be paying the luxury tax, you know, for however many years now without making the postseason, I imagine they prefer <laughs> to keep uh, the cheaper one. But I do think they are committed to to building at least around Tyrese. Um, he's obviously had games this season where he's looked like the guy. And, you know, the more they put the ball in his hands, the more it looks like he's their point guard. And Darren Fox is like a de facto point guard shooting guard whatever you want to call him more of a secondary playmaker and fox has said so himself so it's a weird dynamic and you add that in addition to buddy healed being on the roster them using their lottery pick to draft davion mitchell uh, they're going to have to make a consolidation trade eventually whether it's sabonis simmons uh you know, whatever the case may be, I think there will be a trade either before the deadline or or in the offseason. But if I had a bet on one guy still being there when the dust settles, it, it's probably Tyrese. Because <laughs> if there's one thing I can say about King's prospects and, and the guys that they drafted, it doesn't kick in until year three that nothing is going to happen. So right now... <laughs> <laughs> Tyrese is still bright and bushy eyed. Well, for now, yeah. I mean that that other, if, if he's still bright and bushy eyed after that last loss, then I guess <laughs> that's pretty solid that he's going to be like that for a minute. Um, clearly, I mean, when you look, you know, as far as a Simmons trade and the Sixers and how they kind of line up, I think it's pretty obvious to me that if you're the Sixers, and I, I've been told, I've been told since the offseason that they have zero interest in De'Aaron Fox. That's not the kind of guy they want. If a third team wants De'Aaron Fox and that can get a, a different player into Philadelphia, certainly they'd be interested in that. Um, Daryl Morey, when you know he did a radio appearance last week, and he seemed to strongly hint at Halliburton being a guy that they would have interest in and even went as far as to say he believes a Sacramento King, there is a deal to be made with the Sacramento Kings. So it's just... A lot of interesting smoke and, and Daryl kind of softening his stance on what he would take. 
um, oh, that was very, very interesting. And like I said, it, it was a pretty strong indication that Halliburton would be a guy that he would be interested in. With, with all that said, you bring up Sabonis and Simmons, and that seems to be the two guys that the Kings are the most heavily linked to. Obviously, do you get, I, I, I guess for you personally, and do you get a sense with Kings fans of, is there a guy they would prefer? Like, is, is, or, because it's such a weird, like Simmons is clearly the most polarizing player I've ever covered and maybe even just ever watched in my entire life. And I can get why someone would love him and I can get why someone would hate him. But it, it, do you get a sense of, of uh, again, for you personally, I'll say first, what do you think? And then is there a guy that the Kings fans ultimately really prefer one over, over the other? I think Ben Simmons probably fits more in line with where the Kings view themselves as a team, uh, which is a team that can push the pace on the defensive end. Um, I mean, you're more likely to do that with Darren Fox than you are Tyrese Halliburton, not because Darren Fox is a defender. He has no interest in playing defense, if we're being completely honest. Uh, But with how quick he is, that's that's how he's going to get most of his baskets in transition. So, the Ben Simmons fit is interesting. Um, I think, God, I don't know. That That's really the big question with Ben wherever he goes is what position is he going to play? Is is Has this time away from the court made him reevaluate his, you know, demands, I guess, when it comes to being on the court and what position he wants to play? Um, so that's question number one. The general feeling I've gotten from Kings fans is it is easier to quantify DeMontis Sabonis' impact on the court and his fit. Like, when you look at Ben Simmons' box score and DeMontis Sabonis' box score, I think the first thing people look at is points per game, uh, whether or not that's fair to Ben or a conversation about basketball as a whole. It's just what it is. Uh, And combine that with the fact that I think the general consensus is the Kings can probably get DeMontis Sabonis for less than what Daryl Moore is asking for Ben Simmons. Uh, I think Sabonis is, you know, more the guy they see as realistic and honestly a a guy that they see as a a better fit alongside one of Fox or Halliburton. I like the way you worded that as far as as like quantifying. So I think that's a fair way to put it like, to me, Sabonis is safe. Um, you know what he is. Right. He, 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 like he's he is an all star caliber big, and you know what you're getting from him every single night. And there is still, I mean, he's tried to incorporate the three ball. He's gotten a little bit better. It's still not, you know, he's still well below league average, but it's feasible that he could improve in that regard as he gets a little bit older and he, he could be even more dangerous. Um, clearly an excellent passer, and that would fit along either. Fox or Halliburton, I would think, um, as you know, them either player in a pick and roll, pick and pop situation with a bonus, I would think would work very, very well. Um, and then with Ben, it's the the floor is even dangerous, but the ceiling, I mean, you know, this is a guy to me, I mean, as a guy who has covered him and watched him, mm-hmm. he is the biggest tease in the NBA, it, it, maybe the biggest tease of any athlete I've ever watched because there are nights where he looks brilliant and there are nights where he just looks completely inept at least offensively defensively this is a guy who's going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation every single season until the until the end of his career probably mm. but I, I think too like i could see him 
fitting with either guy too. I could see him being a good fit next to Fox, or I could see him being a good fit next to Halliburton. I, I agree with the point about, you know, with Halliburton, he's not the fastest guy. That's not really what his game is. He's more change of pace. And like, that's, he's more methodical, I guess you would say. But I, I think that could be a good kind of dichotomy where Ben pushes it up the floor. If there's nothing, then you, you know, kick it out to Tyrese. He runs the half court offense. Then you use Ben as a screener and a roller for Tyrese. And I think there could be some interesting chemistry there, especially since Halliburton shot, um, you know, he he's a 40% career shooter so far in his young NBA career from three. So I think there is that fit there too. And then uh, it's to me, like uh, I hear what you're saying. I, I do think that Maury is clearly asking for a ton, but when I look at, at a package that would be, and I know there's been a lot of stuff and I don't want to give too much credence to ball sack sports, but, but like, <laughs> um, and, it, but even some local guys and some other people have reported, you know, the idea of something, a package that would revolve around Halliburton, um, Barnes and, and, or healed. And I do think I see a way that that makes the Sixers a better team now and still leaves them options for the future with, with Halliburton being, a good young guard and Maxi being a good young guard and both of those guys perhaps being pieces in a bigger deal this off season. Uh, then the other thing that has obviously come about is the idea of Daryl Morey wanting to also offload the contract of Tobias Harris mm -hmm. to, to perhaps give the Sixers more flexibility in their search for that quote unquote top 40 guy, whether it's, you know, John Collins in, in Atlanta, which I, to me, if they're not getting Ben Simmons, I don't think Atlanta would have much interest, although supposedly they are shopping him as well. Um, or even a Sabonis. Would Sabonis make sense next to Embiid? I actually don't think that's a crazy notion either because Sabonis is such a great passer and because Embiid can, you know, can stretch the floor and, and, and is a well above average three-point shooter. But when you hear that, when you hear that idea of Simmons and Harris, um, what what do you think? I mean, I, I want to just get out there that, yes, Tobias Harris is having a terrible season. Um, he's actually really good against the Pelicans, which is not a small thing because he has been bad against everybody. So even though it is the Pelicans, it was a encouraging sign that he put up 33 points and looked good doing it. Um, but what for you, what is the appetite of Simmons and Harris coming to Sacramento and that being part of a bigger deal? And what do you get the sense of? Um, for Kings fans, how would they view that? Uh, Kings fans, I think, generally hate it because of the <laughs> number of contracts that would be involved. And at that point, which sounds insane, because if you're the Kings and you're offloading three contracts uh, that are fine, like, I don't know if you can say Buddy Heald or Harrison Barnes are on bad contracts, especially because uh, Harrison Barnes is on a descending contract uh, after this year. So I think he's making like 18 mil next year, which is awesome. That was, was a great get yeah. by the Kings. Um, but it's on wild. Record, a great get by the Kings. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's wild because obviously these players aren't contributing to winning basketball, but Let's just say, for example, the Kings, you know, send out Fox, Buddy, and Barnes uh, for Tobias and Ben in order to make the deal work. The sense I get from the Kings fan, from Kings fans, and and you know, I agree is you don't do that trade unless you're getting something in addition to Ben and Tobias for those three players. 
Um, which again is wild to say out loud because these are players who have not been part of a winning organization for the past two and a half years. But uh, I think that's quite the haul for Philly. And if that was an option on the table, I think I'd take it. Yeah. No, I, listen, I, I'll say that the only re- if you and I get that Kings fans wouldn't do it. And I understand why Kings fan, fans wouldn't do it. But if you subbed out Halliburton for Fox in that that framework, then, yes, I think Daryl Moore would be an insane person to not accept that offer. <laughs> um, but I think with I just think with Fox, I get why they don't have interest. I mean, you kind of already touched on it with defense. Him and Seth Curry as a backcourt would be awful uh, defensively. It would just be it, it would turn their 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 defense is already taking such a huge step back without Ben. You throw De'Aaron Fox into the mix. That's a disaster. And then on top of that, so because of that defense, you'd have to start Matisse Thybul. So Matisse Thybul and Fox with Embiid not stretching the floor, that would also really hurt their spacing a whole lot. So uh, I, I would that would be my concern. Granted, I, I think Barnes and Heald would be outstanding fits here, uh, playing next to Embiid. I mean, whoever starts, whoever comes off the bench, whatever. Um, I would love Buddy Heald here, a guy who just has the audacity to take 10 threes a night. The Sixers would kill to have a guy like that um, and do it at a high clip. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree that that would be quite the haul. So if Daryl Moore, if that was ever on the table with Halliburton, Daryl Moore would be crazy not to strongly, strongly consider that. Um, but with Fox, I just, and then the other thing is, too, uh, this, the redundancy with Tyrese Maxey, who I, I get is not on Fox's level yet, but Fox uh, Maxey has already proven that he's a better shooter than De'Aaron Fox. He's like hovering around 40% all season long in all varieties, catch and shoot, pull up off the dribble. And then also he has shown that he gives a shit on defense and wants to play defense. So when I look at, you know, Maxie or Fox, I I think going forward, yeah, right now Fox would be a slight upgrade over Maxie offensively this season. But I think going forward and over the long term, and then you talk about, you know, price and, and salary cap, like, having a cheaper version of De'Aaron Fox who could grow into a better version of De'Aaron Fox with Maxi. Like I, I don't understand the appeal for the Sixers to take on De'Aaron Fox. That's just my two cents from a Sixers perspective, but I totally get it from the King standpoint. That is, that's a lot. Um, even though, like you mentioned, they're not contributing to winning. And I think that's why all these rumors are out there because the Kings aren't hitting the, the their expectations, but I would say this too. And like, I, I guess this, I'll kind of leave you with this and this would be like the last thing. Let's say that some that that kind of deal happens, right? If it's Fox, Simmons, and Harris, and then like you know Rashawn Holmes still there, obviously, like I, that's a team that might actually have a shot at a play in. Like I don't think that's nuts to say. I mean, w- w- do you do you agree with that, or do you think that that's just totally nuts? And and they still would be exactly where they are now. So I I think the thing with that, and part of the reason. The, the other reason Kings fans are reluctant with the Simmons trade other than, you know, trying to meet Daryl Murray's godfather offer is <laughs> if you're trading Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald in a trade for Ben Simmons, you are left with De'Aaron Fox, Ben Simmons, and Rashawn Holmes in addition to what you have left on the roster. Two concerns there. No shooting. Yeah. Uh, is the one that stands out immediately. 
The second is the means to replace that shooting in the buyout market uh, or as as just a free agent destination, which Sacramento has not been known to be. If you're talking in the offseason, do I think a core of Darren Fox, Ben Simmons and Rashawn Holmes or whatever you can get for a package of, you know, Rashawn Holmes, Marvin Bagley, whatever contracts you want to consolidate for? Maybe a better player, although I think Rashawn is a very good player that I'm sure the Sixers wish they would have held on to a little bit longer. Um, but I uh, I don't know. I think in the offseason, if they can get the right pieces, they're a perennial fringe playoff play-in team, uh, which is more than what they've been in recent years. Uh, but this season, I don't know. That is, that is a very, very risky move for... Yep for the Kings because you, you take those shooters off the roster and you roll with what you have. You're looking at a starting lineup of, Oh God, this is bleak. Um, Darren Fox, Terrence Davis, question mark. Yeah, Uh, probably. Ben Simmons. Oh God, Maurice Hark or Marvin Bag? No. Well, no. no. In, in this scenario, we would say Tobias Harris would be there. So I mean, listen, he's not. Yeah. Okay. But Tobias uh, and Rashawn. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, and, and Tobias Harris makes he makes way too much money. Like, let's get uh-huh. that out there. Like that is clear. But he's not a bad basketball player. He's having a bad season. But he was a borderline All Star last year. Like he can play a little bit. So it's not like you're just you're like, yes, you're taking a bad contract in, in Tobias, but you're not taking a bad player, at least in my opinion. I mean, that's Tobias contribute. Like they were the, number, the Sixers were the number one seed last year. And a big part of that was because Tobias was really, really good. Um, so if he can get some of that back, which he might not play, having to play next to Joel Embiid um, and playing with Ben Simmons, because he has been historically better playing with Ben than yeah. without him. Um, so, yeah, but, but your point is certainly taken that, that uh, without <laughs> shooting, um, that really hurts them. I mean, we could, you know, throw Furkan Korkmaz in that deal, who's theoretically a good shooter, uh, <laughs> not shooting the ball well this year. But uh, yeah, but no, uh, I, I think our conversation is kind of showing why there is this stalemate of why it, it's it would be a very bold but super risky move for the Kings and then for the Sixers. Why maybe that's just not there's just not quite enough there um, unless Tyrese Halliburton is a part of it. And I also understand for you, the Kings, why you don't want to make Tyrese Halliburton a part of it. But uh, on that note, I want to say thank you very much, Christian. I appreciate you coming on, man. Please, everyone, um, for more on the Kings uh, and for more of their kind of their take on how they view a Ben Simmons deal. Check out Sacktown Royalty. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Some good stuff from Christian there, and it does present such an interesting kind of back and forth where I guess this is kind of with all trades, but it feels like especially with the Simmons and you know the Sixers and the Kings that there's just the the there there's a canyon there, and it doesn't seem like the Kings want to give up Tyrese Halliburton, which I don't blame them. That's why the Sixers, that's why Sixers fans, that's why you want him because he's really good. That's why the Kings don't want to give him up. So it, it's definitely a complicated situation and a very fluid one, and uh, you know clearly what could happen this offseason is kind of muddling the situation as well. So we'll see what happens. But I want to thank Anthony Irwin from Silver Screen and Roll and Christian Rios from Sacktown Royalty for being on today and joining the Coming In For a Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you next time.